please be seated. Let's pray. God, you are mighty, and you are the one to whom we turn when we have struggles and issues in our lives. Father, whether it be our finances, whether it be our jobs, our careers, our families, any issues that are in our lives, Father, you are big enough and strong enough and great enough and mighty enough to solve those problems. You are the solution um, if we allow you to be that. And Father, we just ask this morning that you would be the solution in our lives. Lord, we can't do it ourselves. It's not possible. We can't solve all of them, but you can. God, we know that one of the ways that we can do that, one of the ways that we can get on this path to your solution for our lives is to be able to go to you and to admit anything that we've done wrong, any mistakes, any struggles, any sin, any anything that we wish we could have done differently or things that we just wish people would forgive. Father, all those things we can just take to you, just go to you, ask forgiveness for them, and that you will remove them from our lives. So we're just going to take a moment right now, each of us individually, quietly to ourselves, to just go to you, get all those stuff, all that yuckiness off of our heart, turn it over to you. Let's just do that right now. God, forgive us of those things and forgive us and allow us to just release all that yuckiness. So it was pretty unexpected, but it's it's like a pretty big promotion. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Way to go. So the Boxster S has more guts. You'll sure feel the extra horsepower. But if you really want to go, I'd say take the 911 Carrera. I'm going to go with the 911.
next week and for the next couple of weeks. Success, as we define it, is often a bad idea. Success, as we define it, as the world defines it, oftentimes is not success at all. Today we're going to be talking about the difference between major and minor assets, putting success in proper perspective um, so that we will be able to have real success rather than what other people tell us is successful, even if um, it is not successful. We watched the movie clip this morning um, about uh, this guy. He's get, just got a new Porsche, and of course what happens immediately out of the gate, he does what? Gets in an accident, totally ruins it. You don't want to drive a, a sports car that has been in an accident, right? And so all of his dreams, all of his hopes at success, what did they do? They just went bye-bye, right? Um, with that little accident that happened. So we're going to be talking about that because we're talking about this issue of finding success in, in an economic mess. And one of the struggles that we have is to be able to understand what success means. Um, this is really going to be sort of the subtext of our four-week series is what is success? Because there are lots of people who will tell you what success is. There are a lot of people who will talk about success. We go to the 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 Save Mart, the Safeway, wherever you shop, Whole Food, Trader Joe's, we see the magazines on the checkout line, and we see what success is supposed to look like. But the problem is, is that success is not as easily defined as a lot of people, people that sell magazines would like you to believe. So here's our strategy. Last week, we talked about learning to work backwards, and we talked about uh, last week starting with what we have rather than what we don't have. Because we talked about last week that what we don't have is limitless. I mean, I don't have a Porsche. Do you have a Porsche? Uh, some of you don't know, don't know what a Porsche is. Okay. Do you have a Porsche? No. Not, I mean, I don't want to say no. Some of you may have a Porsche. You know, maybe uh, Dennis has like eight at home. I don't know. Do you? No. Okay. So I don't have a Porsche myself. Um, and I could always use a Porsche. If Dennis came in to me and said tomorrow, hey, can I give you one of my eight Porsches? Would that be okay? Sure, it might be okay. I will, you know, I won't, you know, okay, fine, you know. Um, that would be awesome. So we talked about last week the fact that what we want and what we need and what we think that we can have in our lives to have success is limitless. There are millions and millions of things that we want, millions and millions of things that we think we need. But the problem is, is that if we want to really have success in our lives, we cannot define ourselves by what we don't have we need to start with what we do have. And the example I gave last week is that there is no person in the, if we use the world's definition of success, there is no person in the world who has ever been successful. Madonna is not successful. Uh, Bill Gates is not successful. Barack Obama is not successful. Um, Tom Cruise is not successful. Why are these people not successful by their own definition? Because on the day that they die, we talked about last week, on the day that they will die, they will die penniless. They will go into the grave just like everyone else without any money, any jewels, any fame, any reputation, anything, it will be gone. And so by anyone's definition, the world's definition of success, on the day that we pass from this world, our success goes to zero. So if we base our success solely on what we have, physical possessions, money, and that sort of thing, it will not bring success into our lives. Last week we talked about learning to work backwards because we talked about instead of starting with what we think we want, those things that we think we need to start with what we have, right? Because all of us have things in our lives and we're able to build on it. We talked about last week about the fact that if we have a dollar, it's easier to go from $1 to $2 than it is from $0 to $1. Why? Because we have something to work with. 
Every one of us here has something to work with. And if we want to be a success, a success in a way that is meaningful, a success that is uh, success beyond the world's definition of success, then we have to start with what we have and work backwards from there. Today we're going to talk about this issue of major versus minor assets because there are major assets in our world and there are minor assets in our world. And one of the things that we talk, one of the things that happens as we go through our lives is we are easily confused by the two. Let me say this again, that one of the struggles that we face is to not be confused between major assets and minor assets. If Dennis gave me a Porsche tomorrow, I would be tempted to believe that would be a major asset, right? I would be tempted to say, wow, that thing's worth a lot of money and it's a major asset in my life. We would be tempted to think that our homes are major assets, except for the those of you who bought like two, three years ago, and now it's worth 50% of what it was, right? And, and I'm sort of in that boat myself. When we moved out here to California, we bought at a really high price, and it's not worth half of what it is now. And so I'd be tempted to say that my home was a major asset, except that I've seen it decline to nothing, and I'm sure it'll go back up at some point. But the problem is, is that what really are the major assets in our lives, and what are really minor assets in our lives? Well, we're going to be talking about this today. We're going to see what the Bible says. We're going to look at several different passages because we're going to find out even the Bible, even though the Bible is thousands of years old, that a lot of the stories that are in it um, deal with people who are going through economic crisis in their lives. So, you know, when we read uh, stories about Isaiah and and, and Abraham and people, uh, Joseph, people in the Old Testament, we see that they were going through economic crisis as well because they would have famine and they would have hardship, right? And we don't quite have the same level of depression maybe that they did, but times are tight and it makes it difficult. So let's see a couple things. Now, let me do this. For this series, what I decided to do um, is that I'm going to introduce the problem each week. So we're going to deal with four problems um, that prevent us from having success, and then we're going to talk about the solution to that problem. Okay, so last week I talked about uh, a problem and introduced solution. This week also we're going to talk about the problem, and then we're going to introduce a solution. Okay, so here's the problem. The problem is is that we focus too much on minor assets, that we focus too much on minor assets. In your bulletin, there's a handout. You can follow along if you want to. We focus too much on minor assets. See, the problem in our lives is that we do emphasize and we do focus on minor assets more than we do the major assets of our lives. This is the reason why in the movie clip we saw the guy got so stoked because he got a Porsche. You know, he was really excited. But the problem is ultimately, as we're going to talk about today, a Porsche is a minor asset. I know it feels like a major asset, but it is a minor asset because it is quickly come and also quickly gone as well. So we focus too much on that. Let me give some examples here. Uh, let's start with the passage from the Bible. Um, this is in uh, oh, uh, I blanked on it, Luke 12. So uh, it'll be up on the big screen. You can turn to it if you want to. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, just right there, we have a real problem, right? Because the, if you go and you listen to CNN, you listen to CNBC even more so, you, 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 you walk through the shopping market, as the grocery stores, all of us do, and we see all the rich and famous people in the magazines, we would think that life is measured by how much we own, right? But the problem is, Jesus is telling us here that life is not measured by how much is we own, it is measured by something else. Let's talk about this. 
Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, meaning myself, good job, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And the reason why we know if you were here last week is because ultimately God's success for our lives is very different than the world's success for our lives. But it is foolish for us to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Let's, let's break this down a little bit. First of all, money and possessions are minor assets. Now, I know that it, this is it's a tough issue because for many of us, they feel like major assets. I mean, when, when, when you can barely pay your bills, and I know I've been there, been there now, right? When, you, when it's hard and you're trying to figure out how to just pay everything and how to get everything done, it feels like any amount of money becomes a major asset, right? But the problem is the Bible warns us that the more value that we give to those things, the more value it takes away from other things. The more value we place in money, the more value it takes away from other more important things in our lives, such as our relationship with God, our relationship with our family, who we are as a person, and more. Money and possessions ultimately are minor assets. Now let me just mention this. This is not to say that money and possessions are not assets, just that they are minor assets in the grand scheme of things. Uh, again, I cited this example uh, last week. There's a fact uh, I put up there last week um, from the young, um, was it young American Center for Financial Education, something like that, that said in a lifetime, a 21-year-old is going to earn $2.2 million. So if you're sitting out there today and you're in close to your 20s, you're going to earn $2.2 million in your lifetime. On average, you may earn a lot more than that. If you're older, it'll be a little less, you know, effective for inflation and that sort of thing. And so in your lifetime, you're going to earn a lot of money, and it's going to, well, you're going to, and you're going to spend a lot of money too, and it's going to seem like you have nothing even though you are going to spend $2.2 million. As I mentioned last week, if I were to write all of you a check for $2.2 million, would you want a check for $2.2 million? Who wants a check? Some of you really are asleep this morning. Yes, okay, we'd all want a check for $2.2 million, right? We, we, we would want it, all right? But, but the problem is, is that, again, as we talked about last week, in your lifetime, you're going to spend that money. You're going to go through that money, and when you go and you pass from this world, you will have nothing in the end. And as the Bible says, you're going to end up giving it to your kids, uh, some of whom are not even going to appreciate it. They're going to just spend it however they want to. And so in our lives, we build up all this money, we spend all this money, and yet it's sort of like churning. You know when you go down to the ocean um, in Santa Cruz and you see the water come in, the tide, and it just kind of churns, it goes in and out, and churns and churns and churns. And that is what happens with our lives if we make money a major asset rather than a minor asset. Again, it's not to say that money isn't an asset. The Bible talks about money as being an asset. But it is a minor asset because it will not do things for our lives that we want them to do. I know that a lot of people would love to be able to take vacation to Cancun, go down there for a couple weeks, wish they had the money to do that, right? But would you rather be able to do that or would you rather have a wonderful, awesome relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids? Which would you choose? Well, only... <laughs> 
only the most shallow would probably pick Cancun over a wonderful relationship with their spouse, right? So if you're here and you're sitting beside your spouse, you cannot say Cancun, okay? No one say Cancun, okay? You cannot say that, all right? But in our heart of hearts, even the people that we would consider the most shallow would never pick the Cancun over a wonderful relationship with their family, right? And that's because, for example, our relationship with our family is more of an asset. It is a major asset rather than a minor asset. When we go through tough times, money is nice, but support of family, I will argue, is even better and more healthy and more enjoyable as well. Um, money and possession should occupy a minor role. Now, again, I know this is difficult, and I'm not saying something to you that, like, See, let me just mention this. When we did the mailer, you know, we do mailers on uh, regularly. And we did the mailer. I mentioned to everybody last week, don't think of me like Tony Robbins because it's totally different, right? You know, Tony Robbins has got, you know, millions of people come in and he'll tell them here's how to make all this money. I'm not interested in telling you how to make money. I am interested in telling you how to be happy, to be successful as God defines success because I believe happiness is better than wealth. Um, at least you'll be more happy with happiness than you will with just wealth. So money and possessions should occupy a minor role. Now, I say that being poor myself. Um, I say that be struggling to pay the bills myself. I say that because the Bible talks about the fact that money, the more control and possessions, the more control it has over our lives, the more liable to be unhappy that we are. When we are on this side of the fence, let's say there's a big fence right here, okay? This is the poor people's side, and this is the rich people's side, right? And for the sake of argument day, let's put all of us in the poor people's side, although I, we're not all poor. But if we're in the poor people's side and we say, man, look at what would it be like to drive a Porsche? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to drive a Porsche? And we look longingly in this direction, right, thinking that if we can just get money and possessions, it will make our lives easier it will make us happier. But you know what? We go over here, and these people aren't happy, right? We talk a lot about this. Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, you name the, uh, Hannah Montana, you name the tabloids. These people are rich, rich, rich. Are they happy? Do you know any of them that are happy? Based on any tabloid reporting, maybe this is not accurate, but they don't appear to be very happy, do they? They don't appear to be very happy. And so what happens is the Bible warns us that money and possessions should occupy a minor role. We should do them. We should take care of them. We should earn money. We should pay our bills. But they must occupy a minor role. You know one of the things I hate in life more than anything? I hate chocolate Easter bunnies that are hollow. More than anything in life, just about, I hate chocolate Easter bunnies that are hollow. You know, when I was growing up, you know, it was really exciting to get the Easter basket, you know, at Easter, and there'd be that big old bunny in there, and i think, wow, look at all that chocolate, it'd be awesome, right? And then you take one bite out of it, and it's hollow on the inside. It's just a real thin, narrow piece of chocolate, you know, shaped like a bunny, and I feel ripped off, gypped every single time, you know? And the, the same thing is true of money and possessions when it occupies a major role in our lives. Because money and possessions will always jip us if we make them major rather than minor. Money is something that we can accomplish things with. There's something that we can do stuff with. There, there, it is what sort of makes life happen. But it does not make our lives meaningful. It does not make our lives happy. No amount of money will give meaning to your life. No amount of possession will give money to your life. Now, again, a lot of us feel like, you know, I, if I could just get the money... I prove you wrong, Pastor, but um, I will tell you the truth that it will not. By the way, 
Some of you probably know someone who's very wealthy. Anybody know someone who's super, super wealthy? I do. Are, are they necessarily happier being super, super wealthy? The person I know is miserable. Miserable. Just my opinion. All right, let's talk about the solution. We presented the problem. Let's, let's talk about a solution. Here's the solution. Two ideas this morning. Is that we must gain the greatest assets. Look, if, if it were possible for us to gain great assets in our lives, wouldn't we want to do that? If it were possible for us to get better assets, we would want to do it, right? I mean, this makes sense. So if we want to be successful in life, we must gain the greatest assets that possible that we can get. Let me give an example. Oh, let me read this, and then I'll give an example. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth, right? Because being happy where you're at, being faithful where you're at, being happy with what you have, and using what you have as a building block for the rest of your life is great wealth, according to the Bible. Now, listen to this. Our greatest asset is our relationship with God. Uh, you know what? There's a slide I want to get to, and I seem to have lost it, so I'm going to... Let me just start here. I seem to have lost an important slide, but I'll get to it in a minute. Um, our greatest asset is our relationship with God. Let's start with what our greatest asset is. Again, all we're doing is similar like last week. Instead of starting with what we don't have, we're going to start with what we do have. Our greatest asset is our relationship with God. Now, I know that some of you that maybe have been in church for a long time, you'll think, this, you know, why are we calling God an asset, right? I mean, is that a, a good way of, of referring to God? Well, I thought a lot about it this week, and for the sake of the conversation today, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But when we look at the greatest asset that we possibly could have in our lives, then God is that asset. Let me give you an example. Let's say um, that you're going about your job, you go to work on Monday, you're going to work on Monday and you work for a large company, and you're doing your job and everything's going fine, right? And Tuesday comes and Wednesday comes and it's the same old week, but on Thursday, on Thursday you are in the cafeteria and you've noticed a person who's choking on some bread in the cafeteria, right? So no one else is there. You run up, you do the Heimlich maneuver on them, right? And you save the person's life. And come to find out that person is the son of the CEO of the company. And they're like, man, thank you so much for saving my life. Let's be best friends forever, right? Would you consider his friendship to be an asset? Yeah, well, yeah, we would, wouldn't we? Because anytime we needed something, a promotion, anything, we'd be like, hey, remember the time I saved your life? <laughs> Hopefully we wouldn't be quite that crass, right? But we would consider it to be an asset. People that we know we consider to be assets. Why is that? And, and, and also, why is it that a lot of times the people that we know we consider to be assets normally more than even some amount of money, right? I mean, if we, if we knew the CEO of our company, uh, or if we knew someone who could get us a job or a better job, we would consider that to be an asset, even better an asset than 10 bucks or 50 bucks, right? Because an asset is not necessarily defined as something physical that we have. There are other types of assets as well. Our greatest asset is our relationship with God because He is the one who created this world, and He is the one who desires to bless those people who serve Him and those people who love Him. His desire is to make that blessing a reality. And if you ask people who are walking with God, and they will tell you how much God has been able to bless them throughout the days of their lives. We may say that 
My asset is not money. My greatest asset is my relationship with God. Again, the Bible says, as we read earlier, that the, Jesus tells the story of the guy that builds the big barns and just decides to relax and coast on, you know, all the money that he's made and that sort of thing. And, you know, the Bible says that life is not measured by what you own. And in fact, that ultimately, why are you storing up money and possessions? Because the greatest asset that you can have is right relationship with God. And so we're going to explore this a little bit more today in, in, in our life groups. But our greatest asset is our relationship with God. Let me mention another great asset, too. Our family is also a great asset, far greater an asset than money or possessions. Again, we talked about it a little bit last week. We'll talk about it today. I mean, if you had something that you just considered to be an asset in your life, something that really was something that was of value, something that you could hold on to, uh, all of us would choose, in our right mind, would choose our family over money. We would not sell our family for a Porsche or for a trip to Cancun. I know there are times we are tempted to do that. Um, and you may say, well, isn't there someone who would do that? Yeah, probably. But that someone reflects the brokenness of our world. Because our world is a broken place where people will cheat each other, people will hurt each other, people will do bad things to each other, right? And a lot of times we do bad things to each other. Why? Does someone ever screw you over at work because they're hoping to get a demotion at their job? No. They screw you over at work because they're hoping to do what? Get a promotion to get more success, to get more money. Because they're viewing success as a, as a function of money. But they don't know that even though screwing you over, getting the promotion, they'll get more money. They may get to go to Cancun, but sooner or later they're just going to get fired and kicked to the side. Uh, or retired or downsized or whatever because it doesn't last. Because money and possessions is not a major asset. They're important. Don't get me wrong. The Bible talks about their importance all the time. But they are not a major asset. Our family is also a great asset. It's a major asset, far greater than money or possessions. By the way, so too is hope a great asset. That's our vision here at BBC, so I want to mention it. But better to be poor... Oh, wait a minute. I meant to say better to be poor and hopeful than rich and full of despair. Not better to be poor and poor. <laughs> but better to be poor and hopeful than rich and full of despair. Let me just ask. Let me just ask honestly this morning. Would you rather be poor and hopeful or would you rather be rich and full of despair? How many of you would rather be rich and full of despair? How many of you would rather be poor and hopeful? Okay, half of you, some of you are not voting. Some of you are like, can I be rich and hopeful? Yes, actually you can according to the Bible. You, you can be rich and hopeful. Let me just mention, because, because this, is, uh, this is not in my notes, but just a side note. You know, some of you may say, well, I don't like those options. I'd rather be rich and hopeful. Well, how does the Bible talk about the way to be rich and hopeful? Anybody know? Well, Rex knows, I know. But the, 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 the way that you be rich and hopeful is, is if you allow God to be first in your life and then allow him to bring the financial blessing into your life, if that's his choice for you. The Bible says that if, that if a person, I'm going to misquote here, but in Proverbs talks about that if a person is rich and wise in the Lord, then that will bring a huge blessing into their life. And it's because the wisdom comes first and then the money comes second, right? Because again, the money is the minor asset. But so too is hope a great asset in our lives. Listen, our most unused asset is our relationship with God. Here's the thing. This is the, this is the, this is the iron, irony here. This is the crazy part, right? Because our greatest asset is our relationship with God. This is the greatest part. The greatest asset that we have is our relationship with God. 
But our most unused asset is also what? Our relationship with God, right? We are not using it. What are we doing? All of us, me included. What does our temptation do as people? To go out and when we have a bill to pay, when we need to buy something, we worry about the money that we have. We wonder where it's going to come from. We fuss and fight. We fight with our spouse. We argue with them over money, 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 right? And all the while we have here this asset that we're not using. You know, it's like, here's the ironic part. It's like all of us who have a relationship with God, when we go home this morning, we look at the bills we have to pay, we owe $680, we have $575 in our checking account, and yet we've got a mountain of gold in our backyard, or a pool of oil, whichever one you prefer, in our backyard, right? And we say, how are we going to pay for this bill? Come here, honey, let me fight with you for a while. How are we going to pay this bill? And we disregard the mountain of gold, we disregard the huge pool of oil, because we're focused on the $575 in our checking account. Now, why, or just let me ask, would we? Would we mine for lead if gold was easily available? Would we buy Timex if we could get Rolex? We wouldn't, right? We wouldn't do that. But yet we do that every single day when we turn to money to solve our problems. Now, again, I'm not saying that money is not a part of the equation, but when we look to money as the solution, it does not have the answer that we're looking for. All it has is more problems. You know, if all of us, and we've talked about this before here because we do a lot of series on economics because it's so important, it's in the Bible a lot, but all of us here, let's say you make $50,000 a year right now. I know some of you make hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of you make $20,000, okay? Let's say you make $50,000 a year. I can promise you, based on statistics, based on every analysis of money, every done, if you make $50,000 a year, and then tomorrow, and you're tight, you know, you're barely paying your bills, you wish you could have more, next year, if your boss gives you $100,000, gives you a promotion, and you're making $100,000 double within three to six months, you know what? You'll be back to being what? Tight again. Struggling to have, because why? Because you'll upgrade your house, you'll upgrade your car, you'll upgrade your life, and suddenly you'll be what? Out of money because you'll be living at $100,000. If you live at $50,000 right now and it's tight, if you make $100,000, you're going to be tight within three to six months because you will naturally gravitate into that environment. If you go up to $200,000, it's still going to be tight. You have to get into the millions before it's not tight. And by the way, then you're so obsessed about making more money or so unhappy with your spouse you divorce them to try to find a younger model and it didn't work out because... They were fake, and you were fake, and that's just the way that younger model thing always is, right? And so what happens is, is that if we have a great asset in our life like God, we want to be able to rely on Him as a great asset. So let me just ask this question. We'll talk about this more in our life groups, but what are some ways that God is an unused asset in our lives? What are some ways, I mean, you're, you're sitting here this morning, you're hearing me say, money is not a great asset, God is a great asset, family is a great asset, what are some ways that we don't use God in our lives? What are some ways that God is an unused asset in our lives? Well, I'm going to give some examples. Like I said, we'll talk more about it in our life groups. But his confidence, his strength, his support, his blessings, and our ability to go to him with our needs, knowing he is faithful to answer, are just some of the assets that God is. I mean, when you think about it, if you have a really tough situation, this is a simple one. 
But if you have a tough situation in your life, isn't it nice to have someone who you can go to who will love you and care for you even when times are tight? Yes, you wish your spouse would do that. Or you wish your spouse would do that more. It's probably a better way of saying it, right? And, and yet, at the same time, God is there and is able when we turn it over to him. What are some other things? Well, I mean, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, I mean, God does say that when we are his children and we are serving him, that God has no end of blessing for us. Now, that blessing is not necessarily monetary, but it is blessing. And the Bible does talk about it being shelter, and it does talk about it being food, and it does talk about it being things that we need for life, right? And so when we are able to turn our life over to God, He is able to make it happen in our life. He is ultimately the greatest asset that we have. Um, it's confidence, right? I mean, how many of you know people, this is the thing that kills me, how many of you know people who spend all their time worrying about stuff? Surely you have co-workers who spend their time worrying about stuff, right? And yet the Bible says that when we worry, we are basically saying that we are giving a no-confidence vote to God. That's what we're doing. And so when we are able to take hold of God as an asset in our lives, we no longer worry because we're not concerned about those things. And what does non-worry do for a benefit in your life? Why is non-worry an asset? Because it frees you up from not worrying, frees you up to be more successful. Even by the world standards, it frees you up to do a better job at work. It frees you up to be more effective in your family. I mean, if you could take all the time that you fight with your spouse and your kids and eliminate 90% of that, you could go get a part-time job and make more money, right? Or you could go get a part-time job and do something fulfilling, or do something fulfilling, and if it makes more money and makes more success, then fine. You know, um, I, I, I know someone in the Bay Area here um, who uh, is pretty wealthy, and his wife is pretty wealthy, and they're miserable. And, um, you know, if they took all the resources, all the time that they spent fighting each other and attacking each other, and they were to use it for something other than that, they would have a tremendous amount of resources used for anything better than what they use it for, right? But the problem is money can't buy them happiness or success. And because they're unwilling to have, to take hold of either of the better assets, the greater assets, God, family, anything, they end up losing all of their assets and they become very miserable. Very miserable. And Tony Robbins can't save them. And I don't have anything against him. But he can't do it. Because the money won't change anything. If they went up from hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars, you know what? It wouldn't change anything because they would still be miserable. They would still hate each other. They would just use more money and more vitriol to make it happen. So this is the problem when we talk about assets. The Bible says this, and if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Now here's the problem. The Bible tells us that God will give us everything that we need. Are we willing to believe that or not? That's the hard question. Because I know most of us, myself included, it's tempting to doubt that. It's tempting to say, well, God can't really provide everything that we need. But the Bible is here saying that God is the greatest asset we have because he can provide anything that we possibly can need when we trust in him. So we have to decide whether God is telling the truth or whether God is lying. 
And if he's telling the truth, we need to believe that he's telling the truth rather than just accepting and acting as if he's not telling the truth. This is the thing, and this is where really the rubber meets the road because if we allow God to be the greatest asset in our lives, he will be it, but we have to let it in. You know, it's like this. Again, it's like we're, we're going to work. We're paying our bills. we got $575 in check account. We owe $680 worth of bills. They're all due tomorrow. we got this gold mountain outside our house, right in our backyard. We own it, and yet we're like, I don't really believe it's gold. I mean, I know I got this. I know the, I know the, the printed paper uh, from the mining guy says that it's gold, but I don't really believe it's gold, and so I'm just going to just pretend it doesn't exist. I'm just going to pretend that it's not real. We must use our assets wisely. Real quickly here this morning, finish up. We must use our assets wisely. Listen, if we have these wonderful assets that God has given us, relationship with him, family, friends, just to name two, hope, to name a third, our lives, what God can do with our lives, that would be a fourth one, right? We must be able to use and we must be willing to use our assets wisely, right? I mean, one of the problems that you can say is you can say, well, pastor, the issue is not making money. The issue is wasting money. If I could make a lot of money, I wouldn't waste the money. Um, I would use it wisely, right? Right? You know, listen, I know you do it. I do it. We all do it. Every one of us says to ourselves, man, if I could just make more money, I I'd, I'd take care of my family. I'd give it to the church. If I could win the lottery, I'd give it all to the Lord. I'd give, keep only a little bit for myself, right? But you know what? It's a lie. It's always a lie, right? That's why all those people that win the Powerball, $300 million, they never go to their church the next day and say, here it is, God, $300 million, here you go. Or even to their family, $300 million, here you go. What do they do? They spend it all. And then a lot of them are broke the next day couple years i think it's i think the average is i, I read com- different statistics you know that uh com- like they don't they don't gel but somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of people who win large savings i mean i'm sorry large amount of money in the lottery end up losing all of it within a matter of a few years and again they don't give it away to positive things right they just waste it they just spend it all you know they buy bling piece, if you are here last week. All 22, right? That's what they buy. So we must use our assets wisely because here's the thing. We have them. We want to be able to use them. That's a joke from last week. The Bible says this. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced, right? And I see that all the time. I'm a pastor. been a pastor for a long time. I see lots of people. They come into church. They're in crisis, right? They can't pay their bills. Their, their wife's going to divorce them. They're having problems. They're having issues. And you know what? As soon as the crisis is averted, what do they do? They go, they're back out and doing whatever again, right? And the reason is because the worries of the world continually pull away from you and try to convince you that you don't have any assets. Listen, the, one of the greatest lies ever invented is that your, your wife, your children, your husband, your family is not an asset. They don't care about you. They're not out there to help you. It's doggy dog, right? And we believe that in our hearts, and when we relate to our spouse, we're like, you know, I wonder if I can get a little money out of this for what I want to do. Get a little money out of the savings for what I want to do. And you think your wife is saying, I bet she's taking out a little bit of money for what she wants to do, right? 
and we work against each other rather than working for each other. Because the Bible tells us that the greatest asset we have is God. Family is probably the second greatest asset. And those things, those things, those things are what keep us grounded. But the Bible tells us again that the, the worries of this life and the lure of wealth eventually pull a lot of people away so that no fruit is ever produced in their life. What does the Bible mean by fruit? Well, the Bible means something that is truly successful, right? Something that is truly successful. You know, I mentioned earlier that famous people who are not be successful, they're not successful because they can't take their money with them. They may be successful in other ways, right? Because if you change someone's life for the better, that would be considered a success, right? And the problem is if you're rich and mean and self-centered and you live all your life in Cancun, then you're not changing anybody's life for the better. But if you're poor and hopeful, you don't have to be poor, but if you're poor and you're hopeful and you rely on the assets that are God and your family and use them wisely, then you will be a success by God's standards. Now, you have to decide, you have to decide, because you either get to be a success, I mean, I guess technically you could be not a success by anybody's definition, but you could be, yeah, that would be true, but you could be, most people will get a, an option. It will either be a success by People Magazine, or they'll be a success by the Bible by God's word for their life. You have to decide which one you want to be successful by. Would you rather be successful by People Magazine, Money Magazine, or would you rather be successful by the standard that God has set up for you? Listen, what can we do with the great assets we possess, right? Because you're going to spend it. And, and by the way, God does not, does want you to spend him. And by that, what I mean is God wants you to use the assets that he has given you to make a difference in your world, in your life, but in your word, world as well. What can we do with the great assets that we possess? Well, first of all, we can use them to better our lives. I, I don't think there's anything unbiblical about saying that. You know, God desires that his children will be blessed and that when we are open to his blessing and we receive his blessing, he gives it to us because he wants to bless us, right? I mean, listen, if, if I come to you today... And, and let's say your birthday was last month and nobody noticed, and I give you a birthday present. Here, here's a birthday present. You can accept it, can't you? You can. There's nothing wrong with accepting it. It's your birthday, and I want to give you a birthday present, right? And so the same thing is that if God wants to bless us so that our lives have something in them, and by something, I don't necessarily mean possessions, but, but we can pay our bills, we can do the things that we need to do. We can even take vacation from time to time, right? If God desires to make that a blessing in our lives, then we receive it with all joy. But at the same time, when, when God blesses us, we want to be able to do what? Bless other people as well. And that, my friends, is very, very important and part of the equation. Because when we receive blessing from God, we want to be able to bless other people as well. The Bible tells us that if we accept money as a minor asset and have it in good perspective, then money can be a blessing. And that's true. You know, people will come in from the mailer, they'll come in and they'll hear, you know, God is your major asset, money is second. They'll say, forget that crap, basically is what they'll say. I want money. I need money. Money is what will make me happy. But it's not. Money can be a blessing, but only when we have our priorities straight in our lives. One of the best things, as we finish up here this morning, one of the best things that we can do is share our assets. We'll talk about this more next week um, and the next and the final week as well. But listen, there is nothing like sharing to make us feel as though we're successful and to really be a success. Hey, let me ask you a question. 
You go to work on Monday. Tomorrow you go to work, right? And you have two options in front of you. Number one, your coworker, the dorky one, right? The one who stays in his cubicle and is a jerk to everyone, right? Um, he left 50 bucks on his cubicle. And you could go and steal that 50 bucks and no one would ever notice. You could do that. That'd be number one. Or you could go to the same guy and buy him a cup of coffee. Which one will make you feel better inside? Not stealing the $50. No, that won't do it. Doing something nice for someone else, right? That all of us, we would all agree, no matter how shallow you think you are here this morning, we would all agree that giving, buying, doing something for someone else, sharing a blessing with someone else, it will make you feel better. Why does that happen? Why is that universally true? Why is it? Because we are getting closer to God's plan for your life when we do that. That's all it is. And one of the best things, when God gives us assets and we share them with other people, it brings happiness. It brings joy into our lives. And that happiness and that joy are way more successful than any amount of money that can come in. That's why I asked earlier, is it better to be rich and full of despair or poor and hopeful? And you know what? You don't have to be poor and hopeful, but hope, knowing God's plan and joy for your life, that, my friends, is a major asset. Whereas being able to buy the newest toy, even though they can be nice, is really a minor asset and does not bring success in your life. Again, let me just end with the same question I asked last week. Would you rather, would you rather go to Santana Row today, and no offense if you work in Santana Row, but you go to Santana Row and you walk past all the Ferraris and have people go, successful, you're successful. Or would you rather have your wife, your husband, your mom, or your dad look at you and say, son, honey, you're a success. We would all choose the second. Why? Because their sense of success is more significant than People Magazine's sense of success. Their sense of success is more important, more real, more valuable. My hope and prayer for all of you is that in your life you will seek real success rather than false success. It doesn't start with money. It starts with knowing God, having family around you, having hope in your life, making your life meaningful because of what God has done. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and we thank you that we are able to have success in our lives. Father, we pray this morning that you would just allow us to go forward towards the success that you have for us. Lord, it's possible. You, you desire all of us to be successful. Lord, we all want to be successful. But Father, it starts not by, with our money, but it starts with our priorities, getting them right. Lord, I pray for each person in here that you would bless them and that they would desire to seek after you, Lord, that they would just not allow the worries of this world to choke out their relationship with you, but they would hold on to you above all else. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.